book of Proverbs tonight, Proverbs chapter number 15, Proverbs chapter number 15, and as we know, we've been in Wednesday evening uh, in this series, I've given the name the Pro- uh, People of Proverbs, as I already mentioned once tonight, uh, we're looking at different characters described in the book of Proverbs, and we're seeing what the Bible says about them to identify them, because uh, really when it comes down to it, it doesn't matter what we consider these individuals to be, God defines from his perspective, uh, what a wise man is, what a, what a fool is, and so on and so forth. And so uh, we want to look at that because we do not want to be certain characters that are described in the book of Proverbs. There are some we want to be. And so depending on the subject for the week, uh, we apply it in that way. But it also helps us in how to deal with these individuals. And uh, sometimes we do not handle things correctly because we do not identify uh, by, by the Bible, uh, what this individual is, who he is, or what they might be acting like. And so the Bible helps us know how to handle that. And so tonight, I believe it's going to be a helpful uh, Bible study. So we're going to look at Proverbs chapter number uh, 15. And uh, I am going to, uh, let's, let's look at oh, verse number 9. And, and then we're going to look at verse 9 tonight and then Uh, Five other verses in this chapter, verse number 9 of Proverbs 15. The way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord, but he loveth him that followeth after righteousness. Uh, Tonight we're going to talk about the wicked. Uh, There are dozens and dozens and dozens of references to the wicked in the book of Proverbs. Uh, We're going to get to every one of them tonight. Uh, No, we're not going to cover them all tonight. Uh, We're going to stay right in this chapter, and uh, we're going to look at the wicked in a broader sense and see them from God's perspective. And this chapter really breaks down um, different aspects of the life of the wicked. And in doing so, we're going to be able to identify some things uh, in their life, but also from God's perspective, and certainly it helps us in our perspective of how to deal with the wicked. So I've given the title tonight, Learning by the Life of the Wicked. Learning by the Life of the Wicked. Everyone we encounter, every one of these individuals we encounter, we can learn from. There are things to do. There are things not to do. There are ways to do it. There are ways not to do it. And, of course, we want to line up with the Bible way and uh, what the Bible says. And so we're going to learn tonight, learning by the life of the wicked. I'm going to pray in just a moment, then we'll get into the Bible study. But I want to just remind us, um, we always have to be adjusting our, adjusting our thinking to the Bible. Our mind is, we have flesh. We look at it from a human standpoint. And a lot of times we try and take the Bible and put it into our way of thinking. And this is a bad thing for a Christian to fall into. A defa- I, I, I refer to, everybody has defaults. And when I get in this situation, I'm going to default back to this thinking. I'm going to default back to this way. It's a bad default in the life of a Christian when we say, well, that's just the way I think. We'll change the way you think. Or yield the way you think to the Bible. We all have to do that. And that's what's good about these Bible studies is because it makes us remind our, ourselves or teach our minds 
I've got to line up to what God says. And if I put myself in what God says, boy, I'm going to get it right every single time. And so tonight's one of those that will challenge our thinking a little bit. Uh, because uh, this world's got a philosophy. We come up with things that, well, that sounds so good and spiritual, but when you look at the Bible, it's nowhere in there. And so we've just got to make sure that we line up with the Word of God. So we're going to learn by the life of the wicked. Father, I pray that once again you would help us by your Word. Uh, These studies have been helpful to us, I believe. They've uh, taught us many, many truths. May tonight uh, do the same. And Father, may we be attentive to your Word, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, we read in verse number 9, the way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. We look at the wicked. Now, I'm going to give us a definition, and it's a little bit longer definition of wicked, but there's several things in there that we can pull out to establish as a foundation to what we're speaking of tonight. And we want to be reminded that this is from God's perspective. And so a, a, a dictionary definition of, of wicked is evil in principle or practice, Deviating from the divine law, addicted to vice, sinful, immoral. Uh, it, is, it is comprehensive, extending to everything, listen to this, to everything that is contrary to the moral law in both the persons and actions. Now let me stop right there. Moral law is not decided by society. It's decided by God. So wicked is that which is contrary to what God says is moral. Well, I just feel like, well, if, it's, if God doesn't see it, say it's moral, it's not moral. And so it's deviating from the divine law. What's the divine law? The Bible. That's the divine law. So if it deviates from that, there's going to be addictions to vice, sinful, immoral. Uh, the wicked in Scripture are people who live in sin transgressors of the divine law, all who are unreconciled to God, unsanctified, or unrepentant. Now, we would say that this world is wicked. It's the lost. They are unreconciled to God. It doesn't matter how many good works you do, if you've never been reconciled to God through the only way you could be reconciled to God, It's through Jesus Christ. It's not baptism. It's not a 12-step plan. It's not church membership. It's through Jesus. If you have not been reconciled to God through Jesus, when God writes of the wicked, he's talking about those unsaved, the unreconciled. The wicked is also someone who just decides, I'm going to live in sin. Certainly, the unreconciled are living in sin. They're transgressors of the divine law. Well, they're, they're, a, they're a nice person. Okay, we meet a lot of nice people. I love them, okay? I'm not telling you not to love people tonight. I'm getting us to see that God has a viewpoint that we need to pay attention to. And sometimes we, as even Christians, we say, well... Is this sin that I'm okay with in my life, is it really that bad? I I mean, look at all these other things that I'm doing. But, But God's perspective is, if you're a transgressor of divine law and you refuse to repent, you're wicked. 
Can a Christian live a holy life? Yes or no? They have to do things that line up with God's law. Therefore, it is a holy life. If you get outside of God's law, it has to have a name. There has to be a description. Wicked is what the Bible refers to it. See, we live in a society where we are told not to call that which is evil, evil. As a matter of fact, those who call evil, evil are the bad ones. And that we have to tolerate everything that takes place in this world. Society can say what society wants, but God has the perspective that matters. And you and I, we get bombarded with the, the media, we get bombarded with propaganda, we get bombarded with all the news apps, we get bombarded with all the talk radio, we get bombarded with all of these things, and it desensitizes us to what is wicked. And we need to be reminded what God says is wicked is wicked. And so we, as a Christian, we want to stay away from that, we want to define it properly. Why is that? Because we're going to look at chapter 15 tonight, and we're going to use the life of the wicked as examples of what not to do. Now, what our country needs is we need preachers to continue to preach against wickedness, not tiptoe around it. We need preachers to preach against wickedness, even if it means somebody's not going to come back to church. Now, it can be done with grace, it can be done, but it needs to be preached on. We need to preach against it because God warns us about it. We need to try and win the wicked to Christ. You know what will clean up a society? Not the next election. It is the wicked becoming just. Receiving Christ as their Savior, living as a righteous man. That's what we need. So we need to preach against wickedness. We need to try and win the wicked. But we don't need to let the wicked influence us in the way we talk, in the way we live, in the way we dress, in the way we act. We don't need to let them influence us, and especially when it comes to our children, we need to be careful of who and what we set as an example. I'll use one that might make some a little bit uncomfortable. Um, be careful of setting up, quote-unquote, celebrities. No matter who they are as an example. You can, you can, I'm, I like sports, I'm a sports fan. You can like basketball. You can have a favorite team. But be careful putting an NBA player on a pedestal. They're wicked. And part of the problem we have in our society is because they have adopted the wickedness as the norm. They're not the norm. Say, well, Pastor, I can't believe you would say that. If you're away from God, God says, anybody who's not reconciled to me is wicked. 
And if you live outside of God's divine law, he says you're wicked. I'm just pointing out from God's perspective, it's wickedness. We got to be very, young people, listen to me. Young adults, listen to me. There's not a celebrity on this planet that you ought to model anything after. But they hashtag Jesus is risen. There's not a celebrity on this planet you should model anything after. I'm going to get the outline in a minute. We need to heed the warnings. This is where where separation comes in. Because I want to control the influence that that, that others will have on me. I want to control the influence that the wicked world will have on my children. That's why this is, this is not planned, but it's certainly going to help us. That's why you shouldn't just give access to, your, to the world to your children. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but it's not the Andy Griffith show that Hollywood keeps coming out with. You'll just give, it's, it's, be careful. It's, I, I, if you'll permit me, I mean, I, you know I like, I don't get to participate and watch sports as much as I, I used to, but the one thing I, I, I make a point to do, and I just, I don't, I don't, it's, it really hasn't been enjoyable the last couple of years, but I make myself do it, I'll watch the Georgia Bulldogs with my dad. He, as you know, he loves that. It's Jesus in Georgia. I mean, that's just, that's, that's where it is with him. I don't, I don't make, I, I enjoy it, but I make a point. That's something that I can do with my dad. And so I'll go to his house and it's 10 degrees too warm there. So I'll go sit at his house and, and what do you want to eat today, dad? I don't know. What do you want to eat today? Dad, just tell me what you want to eat, and I'll order it. What do you want to eat? I'll eat anything. Well, how about this? And Well, that's what I was thinking anyway. Okay, we're going to order it. I do that with him. Even doing that on an, in an afternoon, this is the point I'm getting to. It had nothing to do with them being the two-time defending national champions. Nothing to that do at all. The point I'm getting to is even the commercials. Of football games. If you like listening to the radio, talk radio, I don't because I like to have some quiet, but that's, there's nothing wrong. I mean, and you got kids in your car, as soon as that commercial comes on, you better turn that off. Matter of fact, you might probably should turn the talk radio off too with kids in the car. And then when they get out, just pretend they're in the car. Now, that's just my opinion. We, we let the wicked affect us. That's what I'm trying to, 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 to avoid tonight or get us to think of and think of what is going to influence me. Because if God looks at it as wicked, I don't want to be anywhere near it. Well, society has, and, you know, Pastor, not all the churches, you know, thinks that these things are wicked. Well, I'm not, I'm not interested in lining up with any other church 
I'm interested in lining up with the Bible. And if the Bible says it's wicked, it's wicked. Number one, I just have one through eight to get to tonight. Number one, the revenue or increase of the wicked comes by their own lust. Look at verse 6. Let me read the verse and I'll, I'll make that statement again. In the house of the righteous is much treasure, but in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. So number one, the revenue or increase of the wicked comes by their own lust. Notice the comparison of the righteous has treasure, the revenue or the increase of the wicked. So how does the righteous get treasure? They please God, they obey God, and God blesses them. Simple illustration. If you go by the sweat of your brow, work, God says you ought to get something for that. And if you'll do that, you can have some treasure. And if you tithe off of that, God will give you more. If you put God first, he'll bless you. He will give you treasure. And I could preach a whole message on treasure. It's not just the bottom line in your savings account. Some of you drop treasure off in the nursery. Now, make sure it's not lost treasure and go back and get it. There's different treasure. But in the revenues of the wicked, the increase of the wicked comes by their own lust. You can have treasure one of two ways. Either through the blessings of God or by gaining it of your own lust. We live, and this is a war, this is a good caution for our young people, we live in spite of inflation, in spite of the period of time we live in, we live in the, the, the most advantageous period in the history of our country, I believe. If you want to make some money, you can make some money. If you want to fulfill the American dream, you can fulfill the American dream. But are you going to say, I'm going to let Matthew 6.33 seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness be my guide, or am I going to go get it because I want it? There's a difference. Because that verse, Matthew 6.33, reminds us if I seek him, he'll add all those things to me. Well, pastor, a nice house isn't bad, is it? No. A nice car isn't wrong, is it? No, unless you pursue it out of your own lust. The revenue or increase of the wicked comes by their own lust. They, they, this is outside of, I'm talking about outside of God's laws. That's what we're defining the wicked. You know, there's, don't, don't look at Hollywood, celebrities, I reference the NBA, all of these. They will look at everything they got. They got it outside of God's laws. So, Pastor, how, how, you know, and I'm, I, I, you know, you can, you can, if you want to take this further than, than I intend for it to be, that's fine. But you're not honoring God by playing football on his day. Every dollar you earn by playing football on his day is earned outside of his law. So what does God say? It's wicked. Well, that was 
Some of you look a little shocked at that. It's what the Bible says. I'll move along. Number two, the revenue or increase of the wicked is trouble for them and those around them because it is unsatisfying. So that verse again, but in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. Does the Bible say might be trouble? Potentially trouble? Is trouble. Is trouble for who? It's trouble for the wicked. But just like the righteous do not live in a vacuum, the wicked do not live in a vacuum. And it is trouble for the wicked and those around them because anything you get by your own lust is not satisfying. It leaves a desire of wanting more. So therefore, you get restless. You have to, you have that, that, that trouble. What is that? You troubled, you're in trouble, you have trouble because only God gives peace. You know, I, I've referenced this wicked world and celebrity and Hollywood and all these things and pursuing for more and more and more and more. You can take somebody who has a whole lot of commas and a whole lot of zeros after their net worth and they are miserable. They have no peace. That's why you'll see that celebrity, that, 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 that movie star, arrested for DUI again, on their fourth divorce. Why is that? Because when you obtain things by lust, it's not satisfying. When you take somebody like that widow who every day God gave her the meal for the day and they sleep well because they have peace with what they have. Be careful longing for more and looking at the wicked and saying they've got more, but don't fail to remember how they obtained it. Through their own lust. The revenue or increase of the wicked is trouble for them and those around them because it is unsatisfying. Well, you cannot put a price tag on the peace that can only that only comes from God. You cannot put a price tag on it. Uh, number three. Verse eight. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. I've got to hasten. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. But the prayer of the upright is his delight. Uh, statement number three, the religious exercise of the wicked is an abomination to God. If you did not read verse eight, when I say the religious exercise of the wicked is an abomination to God, that might sound like a strong statement. But God says the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Their religious exercise... He hates with a hate that's stronger than just a normal hate. Because it's blasphemy. Because it's hypocrisy. To appease their own conscience. And to keep a facade. Oh, I'm going to do it. I'm never, I was never going to be popular in Jacksonville anyway. Oh, tell us about the big win. 
Well, I just want to give all glory to God after I have desecrated his day and have not darkened the door of a church and I've set an example to a whole generation of kids that church is not important and God is not important. And, and, uh, and, uh, but I just want to give all glory to him. God says that's an abomination. Because it is only done to appease them. Because quite frankly, there's a lot of those guys who grandma took them to Sunday school. And then they had to choose, do I go the way of the world or I do go the way of God? And if they are saved, and I'm not saying they're not, some of them aren't saved, but they got the Spirit of God inside of them. They know it's God's day. They know it's church day. I just want to give all glory to God. Something to remember. This is, this is worth writing down. It is worth committing to memory. Put it where you'll see it, on the refrigerator. There's two things God wants from everyone. Number one is repentance. Number two is obedience. If man would get repentance and obedience right, everything else will take care of itself. You know why Christians are in turmoil tonight? Because there's something the Holy Spirit is working on them. They need to repent of it. They need to get it right with God. They need to change their ways. They need to, they, they, they need to, to do what they know they ought to do. And then they just need to obey. If we would do those, that's what God wants. Say, I want to make God happy. When you're not right with him, get right. That'll make God happy. Obey him, and he'll be happy. He's more happy. Who's happy when that professional athlete makes all those touchdowns? Is he happier when they score touchdowns on his day, or is he happier when a child of God goes to the house of God on the first day of the week like he's commanded to do? I would think, I'd say he's happier with obedience. Wow, they, but Pastor, I know those, I read the other day that this football player, he gave, you know, a million dollars to his church. You mean the one he tends just in the off season? And his contract was a hundred million. So basically, if you get a hundred dollars, it's like he gave him a ten dollar bill. But there's a command. I hope this isn't too shocking tonight. But we're reminded God establishes His law, and anything out of it He says is wicked. We don't say it's wicked. We should treat it like it's wicked. Society doesn't say it's wicked. God says it's wicked. Whose viewpoint should you and I be the most concerned with? God's viewpoint. So their religious exercise is hypocrisy to appease their conscience and to keep a facade. What a, what a sham for a Hollywood actor. I just want to give God the glory, and I just want to thank, thank Jesus. It, I don't even, yeah, anyway. Number four, if you thought that was a bold statement. Number four, God rejects the prayers of the wicked. 
The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Look at the contrast. But the prayer of the upright is his delight. The upright or the just, God delights in those prayers. Let's be honest, the wicked's not praying. They're not praying. No, but Pastor, I saw when they stood at that free throw line, they went, I saw that. They're not praying. God rejects the prayers of the wicked. Say, he can't hear them at all. There's one prayer he hears. Repentance. Oh, I want to pray that if God will give me this many yards rushing a football today, I'll... I'll give him the honor and the glory. I don't care how many yards. He doesn't. He only wants to hear repentance. You'll hear that prayer. God rejects the prayers of the wicked. Number five. Look with me at verse number nine again. Our text verse, the way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. The way or the manner of living, number five, of the wicked is an abomination to God. Their lifestyle, the almighty, holy God sits on his throne and looks at the lifestyle, the way, the manner of living of the wicked, those that have not been reconciled to him, those that are living willingly and knowingly outside of his divine law and will not repent of that. He looks at their whole lifestyle as an abomination. Because, friend, man was created to fellowship with God and to obey God and to follow Him. That is the will of God, to live inside of His law. God is not going to accept that which is outside of His law. First of all, that's why we, 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 we do praise the Lord for Jesus and every day and every moment we think it, we ought to say, thank God for Jesus because there would be no way for me to be reconciled back to God. But if we are outside, he is the whole lifestyle. Now, this is where, so what's their lifestyle? Their disobedience. Man's pride. Living after their flesh. Christian, this is, listen to the warning of your pastor this evening. There are too many Christians pattering their lifestyle. After the lifestyle of a wicked world. That God in heaven looks at it and says, their manner of life, their way of living is an abomination to me. And we pattern. Friend, if, 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 if the world says that you need to do this, that just isn't a good, good rule of thumb is I'm not doing it. Man, if Hollywood says this is the way, it, this is the this is the way the lifestyle, this is the way it should be, and this is the way the clothes should look, and this is the way you should wear this and wear that. Why are we as God's people letting the wicked tell us how to dress our kids? 
I got to be careful how I say it because it will be a cold, cold day in South Florida. And my kids are reared now, almost, but they're not babies. But I'm not letting the world tell me how to dress them all up so I can post them out there so the world can tell me how good they look. Who are you trying, whose approval are you trying to get, Mom? Who gave you that child? God? Then you, I don't, you don't have to put a picture on Instagram or Facebook to get God's approval. Any of this making sense? We, the, the devil is a deceiver. He uses this world, this wicked society. Bear in mind, this is not what I have to label as wicked. God defines it. If it's outside of my law, their very way of life is an abomination. So there's probably nothing we can get from those who God called as wicked that we should copy in our manner of living. Be very, very careful of how we let it influence us because it does influence us in the way we talk, the words we use. The, what the wicked says is, and you'll just have to forgive me, this is an old, old word that our children are not going to know what I'm talking about, but you boomers are going to know exactly what I'm talking about. The world says what is cool. I don't even know what the new word is. Um, this is what is accepted. This is the standard. Why are we following a standard? Some of you are like, groovy. That's the word, groovy. <laughs> Why are we following a standard? I've lost you now. <laughs> Why are we following a standard that the wicked are setting? Now, I understand what I'm saying. You may have to shop a little harder to find appropriate clothes for your children. But are we going to please God? But this is what everybody else is doing. Yeah, God says their very, their very way of living is an abomination. Their lifestyle is an abomination. And yet we as God people will, mo- will model that and let that influence... We all will let it influence us if we don't remind ourselves of this. That is not what I'm supposed to copy. I'm supposed to do what this book says. I'm supposed to copy what the Bible says. We do it in education. We let the wicked tell us how we should educate our kids. We don't because we believe in Christian education. But we just say, well, let the world tell us how to educate your kids. I'm not, I'm not interested in letting what God says is the wicked. Is about, I'm not letting them tell me how to educate my children. Amen. And this may not go over very well with some, but I would rather my children be uneducated than, be, than have the same manner of living as those who God says are the wicked By the way, you have the best of both worlds with our our schools. They're more educated, and they're not getting that example of this is the way 
what God says is an abomination, their very lifestyle, as, as the way they're supposed to do it. And by the way, mom and dad and all of us as adults, you've got to be careful how you're influenced at work, too. I know many, through the years, many of you have come to me at different times, and you say it like this or similar to this, my company is going woke. They're telling me I have to do A, B, and C. Be very careful with that. God says, if you're outside His divine law, the very lifestyle is wicked and an abomination. Well, what am I supposed to do? Same thing we're all supposed to do. Please Him. Now, let's, 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 let's rewind several hundred years in history and go to those Christians in the Roman Colosseum. About to get eaten by those lions. So well, how did they get there? They wouldn't let a society that God said their very existence is an abomination dictate anything to them. They would rather die than the wicked world that God says is an abomination, their very lifestyle, dictate anything to them. Study history in our own country in the early days. There were, there were many who, who they, had their, 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 they were in prison. They had their families taken away from them. They mysteriously died because they would not let the state baptize their babies. That falls into exactly what we're talking about tonight. We have to decide who are we going to live to please. Number six. I've got five minutes to go through three. Anybody think I'll make it? Nobody? (laughs) Number six, the words and the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to God. 15, verse 26. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant words. The words and the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to God. This is describing the inner man. He's comparing the thoughts of the wicked to the words of the pure. Before they are words, they are thoughts. We often say, we didn't think that through, but you thought it. We'll talk about some restraint in just a moment. They're inner man because God knows the heart and well they're sincere but God has established there are some things that you should not go outside of he establishes the law and this will help you and I by just going by the strict definitions of what God labels because we can't be deceived by the words we hear well, they're giving glory to God, or they, they say this, or, they, or, they, or they don't, they're, they're a nice person. All those things may be true in their own way. But God says, I know their heart, their thoughts. Again, this is just a reminder that we should not be letting the wicked world influence us. Do not hold them on a pedestal. Let me tell you who you got to hold on a pedestal in front, in front of your kids. They're Sunday school teacher. Some faithful Christian. That's who you ought to hold on a pedestal. And by the way, let me just interject this in. We ought to be patient with those who are away from God, patient with those. 
uh, who, are, who are living contrary, patient with the lost world, but you ought to be more patient with the people you go to church with. Number seven. Look at me in verse number 28. The heart of the righteous studieth the answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. Listen to number seven. It's going to sound like I'm saying the exact same thing until I get to the end. The mouth of the wicked pours out evil things at the dishonor of God. We as God's people have got to get back to making it a big deal when something dishonors God. Young people, it's a big deal if you don't honor God with your life. It's a big deal when a country, when a nation does not honor God. It's a big deal when your actions dishonor God. Why are you, why are you being so hard on the NFL? Don't you know what the Jaguars have done for our city? It's helped destroy it. There used to be a lot of churches preaching the gospel. They're not now. You're being so hard on that. I don't think I'm being hard at all. I'm not saying half of what I want to say. But it dishonors God. It's a big deal. The mouth of the wicked pours out evil things at the dishonor of God. It's a big deal when a politician who votes and fights to defend the ability to butcher an unborn child, tries to quote scripture, tries to, 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 to invoke God. One, we've already established how God thinks about that. But two, it's evil things at the dishonor of God. Notice that verse, verse 28, the heart of the righteous studieth the answer. Notice the heart of the righteous in contrast. Studieth how to answer. Not just, well, keep yourself out of trouble. That's part of it. But is what I'm going to say going to honor God? Because you know how you honor God? You obey Him. You keep His statutes. I just want to bring honor to God. Obey the Bible. That's how you honor Him. That's how anybody can honor God. I feel like if I could do this and serve in this capacity, I could honor God. Well, if God tells you to do that, that's honoring Him, but obey the Bible. Is what I'm going to say going to bring honor to God? If not, don't say it. Is the conversation going to bring honor to God? If not, don't say it. Leave the conversation. In the realm of conversation... Is what I'm going to comment on my smartphone in whatever capacity, honoring to God? If not, see, the righteous, the heart of the righteous says, I've got to be careful because I want to please Him. The mouth of the wicked speaketh evil things. Now, that evil is not, there's a difference in sinful things. And evil things. Evil is that which will do harm to another. It's sin with the intent to harm another. 
The mouth of the wicked does damage to that which is good. That's why, you know, I'm not up here on my soapbox against the internet. Well, yeah, I am. And social media and all of that. We live it to the point we're in the world. We, we use it to the best of our ability. But you can see the downfall of our society because you got a bunch of wicked people running their mouths. And you used to didn't have to hear them. You know, we've always had wicked politicians, but you didn't always have to hear them. But now we hear it all the time, and, and anybody can, 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 can say what they want to say and all those things. It's just the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things that the dishonor to God. It does damage to good. It does damage to that which is right. It does damage it, uh, to others. Number eight, and I'm done. The wicked has distanced himself from God. Look at verse 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. This is a very simple to understand truth to understand. It's a very important truth to understand. It's a very sad truth. The wicked who are unreconciled to God. That's a lost world. The wicked who are outside of God's divine law, and they are content. I'll live the way I want to live. I'll do what I want to do. They're unrepentant. The wicked has distanced himself from God. That is a lonely place. That is a dangerous place. You ever notice some of the prodigal? They've got all of these friends, but that, 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 yet they're alone. They're lonely. Because they're missing the, the one fellowship that you can't live without. For the, look at the contrast. But he heareth the prayer of the righteous. For the righteous, and aren't you thankful for this? God's just a prayer away. How far away is heaven? I don't know. It's a long way. But God's not that far. Because he's a prayer away. His presence is with us. We, we as Christian people, I think, have played into this. We throw these spiritual sounding terms around. And the world does it too. We're like, well, they, 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 they're, they're one of us. Well, we have to take Bible definition by that. Well, no matter where you go and who you are, God will be with you. You won't find that in the Bible. Now, he's the father on the front porch waiting for the prodigal to come home. But the prodigal's coming back to the father. God... The wicked has, well, see, has God cast a note? The wicked has distanced themselves from God. Because to the righteous, God is in their presence. God is not with the wicked, not with those unrepentant, not with the. And what does it say about God if he's, yeah, I'm with, I'm with, I'm with the wicked? He'll save them. If they will repent. You can't say God doesn't love the wicked for God so loved the world. 
You and I positionally were wicked before we got saved. God loved us, evidenced by he sent Jesus. Jesus died for our sins. So we can't say God doesn't love the wicked. He loves them. So much he sent his precious son to pay their sin debt. But he's not with them. He's distant from them. Well, I'm just going to, I just got to go, I just got to, you know, when I die, I'm just going to go plead my case to God. You won't get anywhere near him. Because Jesus is the only way any man can get to God. Because sin, we'd step outside of God's divine law, it has distanced us from God. And young people, listen to me. Young adults, listen to me. Everybody listen to me. Live stream, listen to me. Everybody listen to me. The happiest you'll be, the closest you'll ever feel to God is when you're serving God, you're plugged into His church, you're obeying His book, you've you're, 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 you're got the right spirit about serving the Lord, that's the happiest you'll ever be. You can put a hundred Facebook posts out there with your big smiley face, God distances Himself from the wicked. And there's a big part, this ought to, this, there ought to be some light bulbs going off because we all know somebody who's away from the Lord. They're, they're longing, their desire. Well, I, don't, I, I, just won't, I just won't have a relationship with God. I, I don't have to go back to that church. I don't, I don't have to make right with all those people. Listen to what they're saying. It is God they want. Because he's distant. They can say, oh, I'm praying, but he's not listening. Because he says Obey. He says, you'll have a relationship with me on my terms, not on your terms. And they know that to get back in fellowship with God, they have to make the rights wrong. Are the wrong the wrongs right? They've already made the rights wrong. They have to make the wrongs right. They know that. They want God. They're sincere, I believe, when they say, I just want to have a relationship with God. But they've got to do it the way God says to do it. He distances himself. The best warning that I can give you is it's a, it, is a, it has got to be an unbelievable feeling to know you need God and feel like you're so far away. And to think back, I remember hearing mom or dad pray at the dining room table. I remember family devotions, and it felt like God was there with us. I remember those church services, and, well, it just felt like God was there, and he was speaking to me. I remember reading my Bible, and God was taught. You could feel that God was there. I remember going through those valleys, and I didn't know how it was going to turn out, but I knew God was with me. It's got to be a lonely feeling to be out in this world and out in this life, and the book of Ecclesiastes reminds us it rains on the just and the unjust. Life is hard. But to need God and know that you have distanced yourself from Him. Now the good news is He's listening for that repentant prayer. That's why, let me help you. I, I'm out of time, but this is important. Don't make deals with Him. 
Well, if you'll go to a different church, no, they need to make it right with the church that they made it wrong with. And by the way, I've heard that through the years, and not one of them has ever kept their word. Not one through all the years I've been around church has ever kept their word. Because they're trying to barter, they're trying to get God without doing what God has said. Don't make deals with them. You can have that closeness with God, but you're the one who distanced yourself from God. This is, this is a good reminder for all of us. That's when the Spirit of God convicts us of something, make it right. Because that distance can grow. And if we won't repent of it, now we fall in the definition of what God says is wicked. And he's listening for a repentant prayer. There's a lot of backslidden Christians. I don't want to be there. I know you don't want to be there. That fall down on their knees trying to get God to heal a loved one. You're saying God doesn't care about it? God's, God's better to us than we'll ever know. He, he takes care of us when we're, when we're close to him. When he's, not, he's a long-suffering God. But the point I'm making, when you're in that situation, you want to know God's in a room with you. It's a lonely place because the wicked has distanced himself from God. I'll close with this. That's one of the worst things about hell is they'll be eternally separated from God. Think about this. From the day... You're old enough to understand right and wrong. God starts speaking to you. He worked, he's working in your life before that. The Holy Spirit starts convicting you of your lost condition. You may sit in a church service and God speaks to you through his word. You open up, God speaks to you through his word. I think there's better ways of using a ministry than going to an NFL game and holding up John 3.16. But you see John 3.16? And no, we're not starting that ministry, just so you know. And God's speaking to you. Remember when you got saved? Okay, two of you do. Remember when you got saved? Boy, then, then from there, that spirit of God's in you. And God speaks to you. You get away from him. God brings that conviction. You get back. You have sweet fellowship with God your whole life. And as that song tells us, I don't have to cross Jordan alone. That moment you leave this life to the next, Jesus welcomes you into his presence. Even the lost person, the conviction, God's working, God's working. God's working. Somebody invites them to church and God, they, they, God's working. God's working. They, they may reject it, but God's still working. How many stories have we all heard of those on their deathbed who've rejected Christ? And it's in their last words. It's in their last breaths. Say no to Jesus. The day is going to come when they'll stand before him and those that do not know him, they will be cast into outer darkness. They will be cast for eternity into the lake of fire, eternally separated from God. No God in their life. We cannot fully comprehend 
What a terror that is in itself. When the church is raptured out, there'll be no God on this planet except for when God sends that witness. He'll be pouring His wrath out. What a lonely place to be away from God. He, the wicked distance themselves. How close are you to God? How much are you modeling what this wicked world sees? If I can just say it like this, it gets on us and we don't even realize it's getting on us. We pick up things and we don't even realize we're picking them up. That's why we have to wash with the water of His Word every day. I mean, it's a good thing. I know, I know back in the day when groovy was a word, I mean, it was just a Saturday night bath. I know, I know that was, it's a good thing to bathe every day. Can we say, and I'm out of time, I didn't make the 7.30. It's only 7.32, don't look at the clock. No, it's not that either, but. Can we agree that you're, the person who bathes every day is cleaner than the one who bathes every 30 days? Can we agree on that? Now, two people are like, 30 days? Why are they bathing so often? You know, it's like, <laughs> we can agree on that. So then can we not agree that the person who washes themselves in the water of the Word every day is cleaner? Than the person who, you know, oh yeah, I need to read something. Let's, let's be warned. Let's learn by the life of the wicked and what God thinks about it. And by the way, there's been a lot of by the ways tonight. God ain't pushing that like button either. So Christian, why are you pushing it? I'm just going to let that sit there because it aggravates me. What God labels as wicked and the very lifestyle is an abomination. And you, you can see so-and-so liked what God calls an abomination. And then we wonder. We wonder why we don't have the blessings. We wonder why our heart's not in the right place. Because we're not seeing it from God's perspective what God says is wicked. Oh, maybe learn these lessons. Father, I pray.